Hello and welcome back to episode two of the Sticks Golf Roundtable hosted by myself, Trey Wren, and John Rosenstock. This week we've got a good one. Going to chat a little bit about the college golf NIL deal and a little bit about the Netflix documentary that's coming out. So I hope you all enjoy. But before we get started, I want to do a brief ad read for our main sponsor, Swing U. Swing U Premium the world's most comprehensive golf game improvement app with the industry's easiest-to-use on-course GPS, scorecard, strokes gained, and stat features. And now, with the all-new Swing U Versus, allowing you to compare every part of your game to a Tour Pro. With the easiest-to-use strokes gained stat system, you'll receive a relative handicap for driving, approach shots, chipping, pitching, and bunker play. After each round, strokes gained analysis gets a personalized game improvement priority and prescriptive drills. Whether you're on the course or at home, premium subscribers get anytime, anywhere access to Swing U's massive on-demand library of lessons and drills from world-class golf instructors. Join Swing U Premium today and start shooting lower scores. All right, guys, thank you for listening to part one of our first round table. Be sure to come back next week and listen to part two, and do not forget to sign up for Swing U Premium. We'll touch on this one real quick. This one I'm, I'm really curious to hear y'all's take on. So I wanted to talk about the um, the NCAA, uh, the NIL rule as it's become known, name, image, and likeness. Uh, I think it was in June they came out and said college athletes can now profit off their name, image, and likeness. Um, and ironically, I actually wrote a paper about this back in college Um, and I have to give myself a little pat on the back because what they ended up stipulating or, or, or changing about the rules that is now in place is what I was arguing for in this paper. So, uh, back in those, uh, in the, in the olden days there, we didn't have social media, so it wasn't all about Instagram, you know, endorsements and things like that. But, um, you know, there was a lot of talk about should college athletes get a salary, you know, should the Ohio state quarterback be getting a salary or, you know, the, you know, the, um, the Duke starting five, shouldn't they be getting paid a little bit for all the money they bring in? And I argued against that because I thought it was a lot of gray area, a lot of, you know, sketchiness could go on. And I said, you know, college athletes are really the only people on the planet, not the only people, but one of the only groups of people on the planet who can't go out and, and, and get an endorsement deal. For instance, right now you've got 14 year olds on TikTok and YouTube making millions of dollars. And, you know, you've got 19 year old college athlete stars that are bringing in millions of dollars of revenue for their schools. And, you know, before this rule came out, they couldn't, they couldn't make a dime off of it. And it just, you know, it felt a little wrong. So my argument in the, in the, in the college paper, because it was pre-social media was, you know, no, Ohio state doesn't have to pay their quarterback, but if the local Columbus, Ohio, Chevy dealership wants to pay the quarterback 25 grand to do some commercial spots. Like that should be his right. That should be his right. Like, I don't, you know, I didn't, I I understand like there's people are hesitant because, you know, they're afraid these 18, 19 year old, 20 year old kids will mismanage the money and it'll get, you know, a little uncomfortable and, you know, and I get that, but at the end of the day, like, you know, I feel like if you're talented enough to be on national TV and, and bring in millions, if not billions of dollars, you know, for your school and for the NCAA, you should have a right to, you know, you should have a right to earn an income off that. And let's not forget a lot of kids in basketball and football, especially, you know, they come from, um, you know, maybe not as fortunate backgrounds where they could really use that money. And here they are, you know, yeah, you get a, you get a free ride at school, but you know, that's not helping uh, mom and dad at home pay the bills. So uh, I just always saw it as a little unfair to not let them make a little bit of money off of, uh, you know, endorsers who want to pay them to help bring exposure to their brand. So I was really excited to see the announcement. I think it's a, I think it's, it was the right thing to do. Um, I, I, I do worry about, 
what it could lead to. I mean, who knows, you know, if it gets a little out of control or we have to like revisit it and tweak it, but I think it was the right thing to do. What were your, what were your guys' first reactions when you heard about it? It's, it's going to get out of control. There's, there's absolutely no doubt in my mind that some, somehow, some way, somebody will come and figure out how to extort it to, you know, best interest themselves. I mean, that's just the way that the world works, but I was actually on the, Sack, which is not a great name, but this uh, I was too. Yeah, the, the ultimate student, sack, yeah, Bryson yeah. Nimmer. <laughs> the ultimate sack, Bryson Nimmer. Hope you're watching. Um, but uh, I need one of those. Uh, yeah, I, I do too. too. But uh, but the student advice or student athletic advisory council, two members from each you know team. They all sit down. You talk about you know what's going on and just college athletics. And my, my four years there, like the last two or three years the NIL deal was a huge thing that we talked about like constantly. And the biggest thing was guys, and I, I, you know, I'm I'm just going to use a football player as a reference, but guys on the football team who haven't, haven't come from much that are making the school millions, if not billions of dollars. When you come, you look at like these, you know, ACC and SEC schools and, and they're not, I mean, they're getting their schools paid for, they're getting their books paid for, like, yeah, that's great. And and a lot of them have like college stipends that, you know, that help them out a lot, but that doesn't pay for everything. And I, and I think that, you know, for any college athlete that's bringing it that much value to a school, like they should definitely be compensated to that. And, and from a golfer's perspective, I don't think golfers should get paid. I mean, we don't, we bring, we bring no revenue. It's a non-revenue sport. It's a non-revenue sport. We cost money. It costs money for us to go out there and have fun chasing a white golf ball. I get that. But for the football player, that's, risking honestly his memory and his you know his brain function just to go get knocked around yeah i think that that guy should go get paid a hundred percent like i just and i and whether i like what you said where that the school doesn't have to do it right if an outside factor wants to put his number on a sandwich on a board and say hey this is the number 11 because of some football guy like yeah let him do it Right. And, or, and the other thing is, I think that all of college, uh, especially football and basketball, they should get a, a percentage of their uh, jersey sales. I, I think that's I think that's something that's really screwed up is that they seems, they make tons of money off those jerseys every year. And it's just they're not getting a piece of it. Seems only fair. I mean, I remember uh, one of the best 30 for 30s, the uh, the one about the Fab Four at Michigan. And uh, I don't know if it was Chris Weber or one of the Michigan guys was saying, you know, I'm going by Foot Locker. I see my sneaker, my jersey. You know, these kids are buying it. They're, you know, paying all this money for the stuff. He's like, I'm not seeing any of that. Like, that doesn't seem right. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's not. Um, not right. But as, as, it, as it relates to golf, you know, obviously, like you said, you know, non revenue sport, but golf, you know, college golfers are a part of this new legislation or, or rules, if you will. Um, so, uh, you know, the, certainly if you're a, you know, if you're the third guy on your team on a mid-major golf team, you're probably not getting any phone calls. But uh, the top-level guys, you know, especially when you think about what they could be in the future, um, they're they're getting phone calls and they're getting deals. And uh, I was able to talk um, with a top 25 golfer in the country about this. Um, he has asked to remain anonymous, anonymous as he has a pending deal with an agency. Um, but I kind of asked him for his thoughts on the whole deal and, and, um, you know, I, I, frankly, I was just curious, like what's happening with top level college golfers, um, you know, um, and he said, you know, he did get a lot of calls from several different agencies. One thing he, he pointed out was, you know, he gets all these requests for small social media deals like a one-off right like some golf gadget wants him to promote something on a on his story and it's like you might make 500 bucks but like what are you really doing for yourself and your brand long term like you're you know it's kind of a clown show right so he he has uh i would say smartly refused those types of requests but he did field a lot of offers from agencies and he's in the process of finalizing a deal uh, with a sports agency, which will be able to start setting him up for branding rights and, you know, for endorsement deals uh, and the inevitability for when he turns pro. Um, and I don't, is it a little weird? He's an, you know, he's an amateur golfer. He's a, he's a student athlete. Yeah. I mean, I get like people's hesitation it's, but it's brand new. I think we'll get used to it. And ultimately I think it's, you know, it's a good, 
I think overall, it's, it's there's more pros than cons. What do you guys think? Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think that the one of the only things that it wouldn't be a negative, but it will definitely be a factor, and especially in like you said, top twenty five college golf, is that there will almost certainly be NIL deals attached to teams going forward. So, like, let's take Auburn. Like, they might have you know the Auburn Chevy. Say, okay, I'll give every golfer that comes to Auburn ten thousand dollars. Like, so. That's or a, where, or a new or a new car, you know. We're going to give them all. We're going to outfit them all with new trucks, like so stuff like that. To where it, it can be a complete recruiting advantage, disadvantage. But it's just one of those things. I mean, it. it I think it's no different than the facility race that we're seeing. The, the all the investment that's going into these programs that is, you're just trying to get the best kids. But it, it, it it's all we we asked all these college golfers, you know. What are you here to do? They all said to play on the PGA tour. It's not, you know, they all want to win. They nah, all, not all of them, but I mean, but, but one of them did. No, I, we asked them all like what the goal of a college program was. Oh, oh, oh yeah. Well, yeah. To send players to the PGA tour. So this is just going to be a part of well, it. So, top, top ranking colleges. Yeah, the yeah. goal is like 100%. places like Auburn. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's what yeah. we, that's who we were yeah. talking to. And that's what I'm talking about right now. So that's, I think it's going to be definitely a interesting thing with, with recruiting, especially with how it's going to, you know, lead kids to, you know, different places based on. I think it's going to just make, I mean, I mean, this probably isn't a bad thing or maybe it is, but I think that it will make the gap between the highest level division one golfer and a golfing team and the mid to lower level, even bigger, because if exactly. I, I think that if I hadn't thought about that, that's true. I think if the teams do end up doing that and they start making deals with, you know, the Chevrolet dealership or just anything that's kind of in the side of Auburn, which I, or any, any school, I think that it's only right. That, you know, the Alabama's, the Auburn's, the I'll put Virginia tech in there, the Virginia techs, the, you know, the UVA is like the, the bigger name schools, like Southern Kentucky is not going to have <laughs> Temple like, University. Yeah, but like you know, I think I mean? you just like, made. I think you just made up Southern Kentucky. I'm I think right. I probably did, but <laughs> there's an Eastern Kentucky. I played in their college tournament. Let's go Eastern Kentucky. Those guys are getting the Chevy dealership to give them the, the boys Tahoes. I mean, that's not going to happen. So I think that you know, I think it's just going to widen. You're going to see. The, you're going to see the SEC. You're going to see the ACC. You're going to see the Big Ten, the Big Pac-12, Twelve, the yeah. Pac Twelve. Yeah, Pac-12. that's how it already is. Like, like that's what's going to be, and, and I think that it's going to just going to separate. You know, higher division one golf from lower division one golf. I think, I think if you look at the, you're gonna the, see. the whole landscape with the new PGA Tour U, how there's going to be actual tour which fences. is so ass backwards the way that they did that. I agree. It's so it, it's, ass just, backwards. it's just becoming now all the whole group of coaches that are involved in it that are going to have kids that are playing for that. It's it just basically just just closed the the pond for for any other like example. This is a just my my team, but we had a kid who. In the fall this year, did not finish outside the top five, and his scoring average was sixty nine and a half. And he was Connor McGrath. Shout but out Connor McGrath. Played the USAM this <laughs> summer. Go, won dog. the Philadelphia Amateur. He's a, a real deal stud. He's a stick. He's a stick. He's a and stick. He is an absolute stick. And he was not ranked in the top two fifty because oh. of our strength of schedule. But like we, he played against some good players. He's like seven zero against top two fifty players that he played against. So like stuff like that, where it's, you're not they basically sort of closed, closed the circle on like what teams they let into events. You're only playing against the top ranked teams. It's just, it's just a closed circle. That's how it is in every sport. You know, you temple football is never going to play in the, well, I don't know. I mean, Cincinnati got in this year. Cincinnati did get in this year. So, but, but I think in in football or in other sports, if you go and have an incredibly good season, it's more recognized than in golf where it's, it's more about who you beat, not what you're shooting, which is, which is tough. Mm. At the end of the day, you're just playing a golf course. Well, I've never thought about it that way, but that's so it true. It that's is. so true because I mean, I, I mean, somebody from Southern Kentucky Wofford right? or, or wherever yeah. the hell they are, Eastern Kentucky could go out and shoot 62 against Wofford and, yeah. you know, Temple and, Temple, and, and, it, and it never, and gets, noticed, never yeah. gets noticed. But if somebody at, you know, USC goes and shoots some that against Oregon or at yeah. the Oregon's event. That's going to get noticed a hell of a lot. Like a 40th yeah. place finish in the Southern intercollegiate is, is better than a win in whatever events we were playing. Like Brandon Matthews, our good buddy, who's a head we did the episode with great example. He had a season where he, he, he won three times in the fall, once in the spring, and he didn't finish outside the top four. And he was ranked 70th in college golf. He was arguably the best player in the country that year. Just absolutely crushing. And 
and he was he was an all-american but like it yeah was, i mean he was all-american but he wasn't he wasn't ranked number one and he had, he had <laughs> one of the best scoring. he had the you know top three scoring average that year it's 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 interesting it's a tough sport to rank for sure that's what the auburn coaches were talking to us about a little bit but it definitely closes the closes the circle a little bit on who can actually get those spots and that's what it all comes down to recruiting i mean if you, yep. you have nil deals best facilities and obviously it's going to attract the best talent which is a good thing but i hate to be the guy to bring it up but have you? I know. I know you did some research on this, but are there any, you know, like safety guards for kids getting, you know, like parents getting involved in like the money and things? Is all all this money going towards a kid or? Yeah, because I mean they're they're eighteen, right? I mean, I guess if you had a seventeen year old student athlete, it might be different, which can happen. Yeah. Um, but no, I mean they're adults, so yeah. Okay, well, I'm, I'm and I'm, and, I, and you know, listen, like I said, I'm. Ultimately, I'm for it because I think it was more wrong to withhold an individual's opportunity to profit off their skill and their talent. And but I, but I do, but I, <laughs> what's that? And people were just doing it the whole time in football. Yeah, that too. Mm-hmm. So, um, but I, but, you know, the only reason these people have a national championship is because they gave it a big old NIL deal to Cam Newton back in the day. <laughs> but I have a, I have a great story. So a buddy of mine, uh, his dad, um, used to uh talk to this is like well known i'm not outing anyone um you looked like you were trying to figure out if you could tell the story or not you're like yeah it sounds like a jamie well uh um there's an old coach uh sonny smith he used to coach at auburn coach charles barkley and then came to vcu and my buddy's dad was with bar at him years ago and uh he said hey sonny you know i was always curious auburn you know football school never really big basketball school. Charles Barkley was one of the biggest recruits coming out of high school. You know, how'd you, how'd you, what what was your selling points? Like, how'd you get him to come to Auburn? And the guy just like took a deep breath and just goes, we paid him. (laughs) And that was it. (laughs) That's great. (laughs) He he thought he was like, he was about to talk about his recruiting strategy. And he was just like, we, we paid him. (laughs) <laughs> yeah That's we just incredible. gave him, we just gave him a couple of dollar dollar bills y'all yeah. um, but um yeah actually and then um so my my cousin is actually the the head golf coach at, at marquette out of the big east uh steve bailey and um bailey. i asked him big yeah east, but... yeah and he's, he's done a great job there by the way he, he started off as an assistant under under pat goss at, at northwestern Best um, short game coach ever. in the fucking country. Pat. Is that Pat? I follow his Instagram and I follow it religiously. Parker, yeah. Stewart, our old roommate, got me onto it. And uh-huh. anytime that he yeah. does anything, it like is a notification on my phone. I'll, I'll have to follow that. I had I hadn't yeah. even seen that. He's unbelievable with the short game. That's great. Yeah. Um, so so Steve, uh after being an assistant under under Pat at Northwestern for a while and um He's, he's good buddies with Luke Donald now, which is great. They, uh, they, they still keep in touch and hang out from time to time, but he's, uh, he's done a great job with Marquette. I mean, you think about, you know, yeah, it's in the big East, but it's in Milwaukee. They didn't have any sort of golf history and he got them into the top 25 within a few years of being there. They've That's won four big East championships, I think in the last eight years since he got there. Um, so he's done a phenomenal job there. Um, I asked him what his, you know, reaction was to the announcement. And, you know, he said initially there was a lot of hesitancy um, because of the unknown. Um, and it's still in his, it's still in its infancy um, and not playing a prominent role with a majority of, of non-revenue sports. Um, but it is nice to see opportunity for some of my guys to profit a little bit from their skill. He said, you know, at that level. So now we're talking, we're not talking top 25 golfer in the country. He does have some really talented players. Um, and he has put some guys that are now currently on, um, you know, the, uh, Canadian tour, Latino America, and even corn Ferry. So, you know, these are good players, but we're not talking top, top, top level. Right. Yeah. Um, um, but he said his guys, are, you know, they're roughly set, they're not top 25 uh, the last few years. They're hovering more in that 50 to 75 range, just to give you an idea what sort of program they are. And um, he said his guys are um, sparking some deals, nothing extravagant. Um, it's regulated through compliance, but thankfully he doesn't have to get involved or check off on anything. So, you know, ultimately he said so far he's fine with it. It's going fine. 
I asked him, was he surprised to see the USGA? This is kind of the other component of that was, you know, the USGA, you know, basically had their hand was kind of forced to fall in line, right? Because I mean, he said it was a smart move by the USGA to to ultimately adopt these new rules or or sort of embrace them because they would have had a lot of work trying to police it and think about it if, you know, number one or top 50 amateurs in the in the game are getting sponsorship deals and losing their USGA amateur status, they can't play in the USAM. They can't would, play would, in the Western AM. They can't play in any big time summer amateur tournament. So they would be shooting themselves in the foot, right? So they had no real choice but to adjust their own rules. And now, um, you know, they're allowing basically, you know, if you're a student athlete, you can you can profit off your name and, and likeness. And they've modified just a lot of their other amateur status rules in general. Like, um, you know, as many people know, in amateur golf tournaments, it's always been the case that if you, you know, win or place high in a tournament you you receive gift certificate money to the pro shop you can never receive cash well now you can receive cash yeah. and they, they they upped the amount from 750 to a thousand dollars so you could play in the freaking richmond am or you know the 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 west palm beach amateur and win a thousand bucks cash and still keep your amateur status which is pretty cool i think now i did talk to a head pro who uh um runs a um you know long running city amateur tournament richmond city and no not the richmond um i can't remember if he has to stay anonymous or not so we'll keep it anonymous fair but, enough. um fair enough he, a long running city amateur tournament that he runs at his course and um he said he is not really at the moment entertaining the idea of going cash because frankly these amateur tournaments make a lot of their money back from the gift certificates, right? Certificate. Um, so giving cash is just sort of like sending that money out the door. So I don't yep. think you'll see a big shift, at least not now. Um, but maybe not. Maybe, but maybe some tournaments it. will, maybe some newer tournaments will be set up. In fact, I would love to think like, you know, um, we'll see some some new tournaments developed where it is kind of based around that, that cash payout, right? Um, well, I was, I was thinking that on that exact same kind of line of thought was were like the places like the Western Am, the place like the USM, like those golf courses are not making money off of that golf tournament with. I don't the, think. Do you win yeah. pro shop credit? And if you win the yes, those aren't. Those aren't. But no, no, no. But, I'm, but I'm, I was just, I was just saying, like bigger golf tournaments, yeah, in general. Yeah. like, like you know, like a Western, like a Northeast, um, like a players am like, I think I'm wearing the shirt right here. Um, but like they are, they're not making money off of the $700 you get. I could definitely see like the higher echelon of amateur golf switching to cash. And I think it's yeah. more for, that's a good point. Cause I, I, and you guys know that, but tennis, which is obviously a completely different sport, but the amateur tennis, you can win up to whatever it costs you to travel there that week. So you could go and spend a whole mm -hmm. bunch of money on travel and you can get it reimbursed. Yeah. I thought it was even more lenient than that. Cause they always have this. Uh, well, yeah, maybe you can win, you can win. It's basically all supposed to be for expenses. Yeah. But I think that's kind of okay. the idea. So maybe you'll have, I know they've always been more lenient. I know they've always been more lenient. Sorry, Trey. Yeah. Like, you know, if in USAM, let's say if you make match play and you're going to be staying for a couple extra days, they'll throw out like a $500 match play bonus. So stuff like that. It's like just to help people cover expenses. I think that's more what it's for versus yeah. like, Winning cash for cash yeah, that in golf sake. is expensive as fuck to travel for golf. Oh, that's they, they oh just they've God. just changed it. Yeah. That's God, it's I'm glad they changed it. Yeah. yeah, it's like if you fly somewhere, stay in a hotel, pay the entry fee, and you win the tournament, like God, at least give the guy a thousand bucks to cover yeah. some yeah. of that. I mean, exactly. it, it costs him eight hundred to play, I mean, right. yeah. or more. That's yeah, one of the funniest more. things about golf is that no matter pretty much if you're playing any level of professional golf or amateur golf, it, like if you're on the PGA Tour, if you're playing. PJ Tour Latin America it costs you pretty much the same thing to go week to week, and the yeah, and, and the money is, the money goes like so this. It's up. crazy, yeah. I mean, it, it, unless you're fine privately, if you're Justin Thomas, but if you're if you're just a, if you're our buddy Curtis, or if he's when he was playing Corn Ferry versus playing this year on tour, the 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 expense for him is almost exactly the same, and the money's quadruple. Yeah, on tour, it's pretty cool. Well, Very true. Rosie, I, what was your what was your last talking point? Uh, just the um. The last thing, and I didn't, I didn't actually do a 
ton of research specifically for this um but i, I just love, I, I love I, flying by the seat of our pants yeah too. i kind of wanted to get you guys take i've been following it closely challenger leagues you know there's been a lot of news about the saudi golf league um the pgl um i've been following it closely and uh i'll open it up to you guys because i want to hear what you think but one thing i'll say is I don't necessarily think we're going to see an overthrow of the PJ tour, but I think what we're already seeing and what we're going to see is these tours are going to threaten the tour enough to make changes. I mean, what do you think the PIP is, right? The player impact program. That was a way to funnel cash to the top players to try to dissuade them from, you know, jumping to the Saudi golf league for a, for a massive pay. I don't think um, so, John. I think that was just the PGA tour saving some money on marketing. I think they were, they were instead of, I think this is, I heard this from somebody, it was a tweet or something. They said, well, the, let's just say the PGA tour was going to spend 50 million this year on all their social media marketing. They chopped that down and they just said, all right, players go give us some buzz. So it's going straight through the players. It's going to create more attention, more buzz. Like Phil Mickelson was an absolute menace on Twitter this year. And he won. And he won. So like that's him tweeting out all this crazy stuff and doing all these videos. That's going to drive so much more attention and eyes to the PGA tour versus a, a mobile ad that you're going to get on Facebook saying, Oh, watch the travelers this week. So like, I think that's what they were doing. It, it both it's both it's both for sure yeah i i hadn't heard I mean, that take it's, it's certainly path. yeah I, I definitely can see that um but i know or at least i really feel that they are threatened by these leagues and these massive payties i mean think about it a lot now some major stars tiger rory uh you know some of these guys have pledged their allegiance to the pga tour and have said yeah. i'm not entertaining but a lot of them have not come out. We're years into this, and a lot of them have not come out and said, I'm definitely not, not going to these yeah. other leagues, right? I'm, if I'm and, wrong, I'm sorry, but I'm, I feel like I remember some somebody coming out about Brooks Kepka saying, like, I'm not not open to it. Dustin said it. Dustin is saying, that Dustin? A lot it? of those guys. I have, a, I have an unreliable source that says Dustin has been offered a bunch of money to get it over there and play like but that's just someone in Jupiter at a bar. So, <laughs> yeah. Hey, that's, that's probably pretty, well, I don't know if hey, it's credible or not, but it's entertaining. It's credible ish. Yeah. <laughs> it's credible adjacent. I mean, it's yeah. someone yeah, there. Remember, remember after, the he plays that, but after I'm, a quad, after a quadruple Jack Daniels, it's pretty credible. Yeah. This is, this is, <laughs> I tell you what, we're getting low. We're getting yeah. I'm getting low, low too. Back. We we actually need to wrap up pretty soon. Yeah, now, but, uh, that's, that's no, our, I'll just, I'll just say, you know, I, I think it's really interesting. Um, hey, I got a question for y'all. This is actually really interesting because I did learn this and and all this research. You know, we think of this as like the PGA Tour is this. Um, well, I don't want to give away a hint to my question, but when do you think the term or the name PGA Tour was first used? Is this like a date? Yeah, give a year. All right. 1954. I'm going to go, Trey. I'm going to go 1970. Good job, Trey. Um, <laughs> you, you were still off. It's 1975. The point of this is, you know, the PJ tour isn't the, I think sometimes we kind of have this romantic idea in our mind that's been around forever. Right. Huh. But before 1968, the PGA of America was the only professional or the only major professional golf association in the country. Okay. So you had a split between the PGA of America had their club pro division and their playing division. And there was a lot of animosity amongst the players because, you know, they just felt like they weren't really getting their fair shake on the profits. And in 1968, Jack Nicholas and Arnold Palmer led the movement for the PGA of America players to separate to whatever, you know, to leave the PGA of America and create their own golf league, so to speak. Um, so, you know, it's not like the PGA tour has been around for a hundred years was kind of my point. You guys were actually closer than I thought you would be on the date, but um you know, and then so 68 to 75, it kind of like 
it, it, it was, it was a developing project. It went under different names. It had different leadership. And then ultimately it was finally Dean Beeman was named commissioner of the PJ tour in 1975. Eastern Am champ. Yep. Sure was. Um, and then, uh, so 1990 fast forward to 1994, Greg Norman, um, was famous for basically trying to upend the PGA tour or not, maybe, maybe not upend, but compete with the PGA tour with the, uh, world golf tour, which was get this eight, an eight tournament series of 40 guys, no cut event, big money all around the world. And what did the PGA tour do? Well, they squashed it with the help of Arnold Palmer. Arnold Palmer you know, <laughs> said, if you don't support, if you support Norman, I'm not with you, blah, blah, blah. And everybody follows Arnold. Praise Arnold Palmer. Yeah. I think that Arnold or uh, Greg's suing PGA tour. Yeah. So um, <laughs> I'm pretty sure he is. The, the ironic thing was the PGA tour was able to successfully squash that attempt. And what did they do? They invented the world golf championships. Norman was proposing the world golf tour. They said, they basically took his exact idea and created the world golf championships. Okay. Which I mean, it's kind of like, so, which was four events, no cut top players in the world, big payday. You know, they basically took his idea and ran with it. And I think you'll kind of see the same thing happen here. I think the PJ tour is smart enough to incorporate the ideas of like, so I look at the two challenger leagues right now, the Saudi golf league that Norman is now, running or you know figure out of i'm more interested in the pgl me too so yeah. that was going to be my point my point was yeah. the saudi thing it's a cash grab it's sports washing it's a little sketchy we don't know you know the money is like kind of dirty oil saudi no money. To greg because greg's done great things for my family thank you greg. yeah yeah love you. i know love you greg but I actually, PGL, yeah, actually talk to you about yeah I wanted to be sensitive of that with the no, uh, Cobra okay. connection. <laughs> okay. I love you, Greg. I'm anti-Greg Norman. I'm um, Greg Norman. Greg Norman so I love you, Greg. That's like, that's a cash grab, right? That, uh, you know, it's a bunch of wealthy Saudi guys, princes, whatever, that have a lot of money that they have nothing better to do with. Now, the PGL is well thought out. This is about eight years in development now. And they are following, for lack of a better, uh, they're kind of their their proposal more so follows like a Formula One type aspect, where you have a series that incorporates individual accolades and prizes, but also of like a four man team aspect. Um, and they, unlike the Saudis, are very interested in partnering with the pga tour and you might say well why wouldn't the pga tour just do what they did to greg norman in 94 and just steal yep. their idea um because let's face it the pga tour model is getting kind of stale i think there were 48 72 hole golf tournaments last year i mean how many 72 hole individual tournaments do we need i mean it is here's a better question a little bit of how saturation many, how many thursday friday rounds of the pga tour did you watch last year Almost none. I mean, outside yeah. of the majors, I mean, two. I guess if I was, I mean, I was almost, yeah, for me, if the answer is two, I watched Augusta. the U S open yeah. Yeah, yeah. and Augusta. Yeah, same. Yeah. I didn't watch the big, the Monday or Thursday, Friday of the PGA and it's too fucking early in the morning to watch the British open. So I'm not going to the PGA. I only watch on Sunday. The PGA tour has an interesting, they, first of all, it's a, it's a nonprofit. No one, owns that's not it. true. I watch on Saturday. No one owns it. And then they, they say to these courses, all right, we're going to show up for four days. We need you to come up with a thousand volunteers and we need you to have a staff that works there year round to promote it. Like they have a very, very lean operation. They can, they can sort of do what they want. They don't have to stick to this model. Now they raise a ton of money for local charities, but it, like, I don't know. I think if they went, pri if they sort of privatized it and went a little more for profit, they could, they could do well, some things. A great point, Trey. And that's kind of where I was going with this is the PGA tour is a 501 C6 yeah. organization. And that really limits them in certain ways. And, what the PGL is proposing is ownership mm -hmm. um, to players, not just one thing that uh, uh, Andy Gardner has put out some great interviews. He's sort of this, he's the leader of the PGL um, movement. And he said, you know, an interesting point. He said, I was going to these agents and they're like, well, look, what you're proposing all this guaranteed money is great for my client. He was talking to agents and they're like, this is great for my 
players that are top 20 in the world. But what about, I got eight clients that are between 50 and 200 in the world. What does this do to them? You're killing the PGA Tour, right? So he's got this really cool, innovative model that came out of that where um, even if you're on the PGA Tour, but not a part of the PGL, you are um, on a team or part of an organization, you get like ownership, you get equity, something. I, I don't know the exact specifics, but he's, he truly, now he could be blowing smoke, but he's really not trying to up end the PJ tour, or at least that's not how he's framing it. He wants to incorporate the PGL into the PJ tour model and create more um, exciting must watch golf, must watch golf, meaning um, no cut 54 hole events. Um, you know, sponsors hate 72 hole events because, you know, they put all this money to a tournament. It's spread out over four days. Nobody's watching Thursday, Friday, like you guys just said, you know, couple of the star players might not even be there on the weekend when everybody's watching. I mean, they're, it's a sponsor's nightmare. They don't really know what they're paying for when they get it. Whereas three days compact, everybody's in it for all three days. Um, maybe you incorporate the team aspect. It's just, you can see where it could be a little bit more engaging and exciting year round. We actually talked about this. Do we, I don't know if we ever even aired that pod. That might've been one of our trial pods where I was saying how could you drunk? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was talking about how it would be so cool if like each of the manufacturers had a team, like you have the team TaylorMade, team yes. Titleist, and like they're, they have a season long race for something, or you could, you could really even mess around with formats. Like you'd have, you know, you could have a lot more match play. You could have alternate shot. You could have different things, which would be more, so, it, it would just, it would make the, it would make golf more interesting for sure. Cause as you said, there's four, 48, four round tournaments and on the exact same yeah, I, I, always played. I think that was a high number particularly last year because of some COVID carryover, but like, come on, how much 72 old golf do we need? And you know, it's like, uh, we're in a, we're in a great time right now. This is my favorite time for non-major golf is like January through March. We get to the, the West coast swing. You get to do, mm-hmm. you know, back to back in Hawaii, you get to watch Riviera, you get to watch Pebble, you get to see the waste management. Yeah. But once the majors start, you really, the level of interest in the regular tour events drops off dramatically. How many tour events between April and July can you really name and say you're really excited for that event? I mean, maybe yeah, Memorial. And like what else? Town. I was about to, I was about to rip more Memorial and Harbor Towns. I love Harbor Towns. I got to play that when I was a little kid. So like that one, I always like. Sure. But then, but then the, also that one doesn't actually get a bunch of the top guys because yeah. they're yeah. taking. It's also a tiny mashes. golf course, and everybody mashes it. Hates that place, myself uh, included. I love it. I love. I love it. Can't it's stand that golf favorite. course. <laughs> it but, is everywhere. But one thing I wanted to just say real quick, but Trey was some, saying something about match play. Match play golf tournaments are a sponsor's fucking nightmare because yeah. say you have. 10 of the you know top 20 in the world. If we come down to Sunday and there's two matches going on Sunday, there is a somewhat high likelihood that none of the top 10 in the top 15 players are going to be. Enter, you know I mean? enter Victor Dubuisson. Yeah. So yeah. Like, how, how would you love to play, to pay X number of amount of dollars to a golf tournament or a golf tour, blah, blah, blah. And then to have Victor Dubuisson, who was electric to watch if you love golf i mean i loved every For one day i haven't heard his name okay. since yeah yeah so like say you got victor dubuisson and and then like god i can't i can't who's a just i mean like like kevin nah sorry i'm shitting on you yeah. but kevin nah, not like, no, i know well look, you know? look we can spitball ideas about what's good and what's not good all day the i think the main theme is, or the main point is Endless 72 hole individual golf is stale. We only need but so much of that. I mean, yes, that's what I want my majors to be. That's what I want the players to be. That's what I want Riviera to be. But, you know, when they're at the Fortinet Championship in freaking October Uh, going up against the NFL. Dude, I thought that was the Fortinet. Who's watching that? Nobody's watching that. I swear to God, when I first saw that event pop up, I thought it was the Fortnite Championship. I thought it was going to be streamed on. That'd be uh, better. Twitch. On Twitch, I thought it was going to get streamed on Twitch, and better. I thought, and I thought that we were going to have gamers being like, oh boy. like 
talking about. I, I was so I, out of that. There's Must a lot of the Jack Daniels. Really awesome. I, I, there may have been some and Jack Daniels. Also, with uh, some of these pop-up events like Capital One Match, and then they had they had something with a couple of tour players recently where they played a part three course. I can't remember what it's called, but I think you're going to see more of that oh, too. Oh, the, the 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 scratch scratch yeah, golf yeah, thing yeah. with um with Harold Varner. Harold Varner. Yeah, it's in Austin at um. Oh, uh, what's that place called? Yeah, Little Muni Part Three yeah. in Austin, downtown Austin. Stuff like that, where you, it doesn't Love need to be live. Like it, it can be live, and you edit it and make it make it an hour show instead of a four and a half hour production. Ugh. And yeah, you, that you need, thing, need the logistics. Ugh, the match that. is excruciating. It could be so much better. I they did take a step in the right direction, in my opinion, with the twelve hole deal with brooks and bryson in my opinion i think 18 is like excruciatingly long to make it live so i think that it's so interesting you say that because with the match stuff if you're playing pro versus pro like dechambeau versus brooks kepka i wanted 18 grueling snotty nose I did. I want, that's what I wanted. But when I'm going to watch Peyton Manning fucking shake the ball around or, yeah. or yeah. like, you know, just anyone that's not an actual go, I mean, no offense. Get, the, get him out. Get him but out. But like, get him out. 12 holes is all you need. Yeah. Like, I, look, Aaron Rodgers impressed the fuck out of me when he played on the match. But again, I only need 12 holes. Like, yeah. I don't need to watch you play six hours of golf. Yeah. When it's, when it's Bryson and Brooks, which was like a massive, like, like thing like yeah i would love to watch them grind it out over 18 holes get real nitty-gritty like listen to them in between shots listen maybe a little shit talk happens maybe it doesn't but that's uh, somewhere that i'd love to see 18 holes but when you're bringing in you know aaron Rodgers and oh. brady and those things just make nine holes do nine holes. for those for yeah, those just holes. do nine do nine holes it's for fun it's for tv it's for raising money like yeah do, do a three-hour three block. They yeah. play for two and a half, and it's over. Yeah, and then do like a cocktail Q&A after the, after the round. Yeah, I mean, but if, if there's going to be any real competition involved, they should do it not live. Because if, if, if it's not live and you don't need – you don't have spectators like you can do a lot of things if it's if it's produced or live and have like Snoop Dogg be the guy that's like doing <laughs> it and just be like just make it ridiculous because it's already nice ridiculous. <laughs> nice putt. Nice. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, look. Like I said, I mean, and we could do that one day. There's a million ideas about how to make the PJ Tour and a little bit one, more one idea exciting. That really, really good. That was good. Sorry, go ahead, John. I was just gonna say the, the really the point is like let's do something, and and I think that's why I like hearing about what the PGL is proposing, and you know these these different ideas. Oh, by the way, I don't know if you knew this, but the WGCs are actually quietly like disappearing. They only have one this year. Yeah. Um, the, the match is play weird, is the only one left. It's weird. Um, no one said anything about that. On well, then the PGA tour. And now, and again, this is where, and this is why I made the reference to, I think the PIP was a response to PGL. Their other response to the PGL, in my opinion, is they're quietly doing away with the WGCs, but in 2024, they're starting, guess what? A new no cut premier player, big money series of events globally. So they're basically doing it all over again, just repackaging it. And they and they even the PJ Tour even said they are looking into incorporating a team aspect. So what they're doing is they're 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 looking at what the PGL is proposing and they're saying, you know what, maybe they're onto something and we should we should, you know, explore this further. So ultimately, do I think the PJ Tour will be upended? No. And I don't want that. I, I mean PJ Tours is what we know, what we love overall. But I think what's cool is we're going to I think we're going to see some changes. We're going to see some creativity um, and some new formats in the, in the years to come. Well, I honestly think that that perfectly spins off into our next topic. Was, that's exactly what I was going to say. Is, which is the fact that Netflix has just mm. opened up and saying that they are going to have a F1 Drive to Survive PGA Tour spinoff. And I mean, I mean there are a bajillion possibilities on how this could be run, how it could be shot, how it can be produced, whether it's team based. So it's like team Callaway one week team Titleist next Taylor made Mizuno Cobra Cleveland tricks on Cleveland's not a brand anymore, but whatever. Um, but then what? the fact that uh, uh, Augusta national, the PGA of America, USGA, RNA, the players championship, even the number one ranked amateur in the mate in, in the world key, Kieta Nagijima, who is playing at um, I don't think Stony that was right. Week. But I'll let it Kieta, Kieta Nakajima, maybe. 
Kieranat. I might be butchering. Yeah, I can't remember, but it, it didn't sound it, right it, when it rolled off your tongue. I, I might be. It, it I might be butchering that. <laughs> I'm 100. Look, we've we've had four Jack Daniels. Okay, just give me a second. Regardless, we're gonna have a new way to enjoy behind the scenes of the PJ Tour. I just pray they have golf people involved in it, and it's good. It, it's I. My only worry is it's gonna be a bit more like a reality TV show, and I don't. Think it it's is. Do that. I think they need to do one week. Just live with a player for a week. Go and do it. Yeah. Day in the life with each player. They don't, I don't, I don't want like, here's the recap of the shell Houston open. And they sit down each player that played and be like, yeah, you know, the 13th hole played really tough this week. So I think I want to see more behind the scenes, less just players talking about stuff. We already know. Um, Dylan DeChair, who right. He's like younger guy. He writes for uh, golf.com. He got a sneak peek of the Brooks Kepka. I guess they've already filmed some stuff with Kepka. He got to see some cutting room floor stuff and said it was awesome. And I really respect him as a writer and a media person. So there is one, there's two guys I think that are part of the drive. What's it called? The F1 drive drive to survive. And one of them is a, a, he played high school golf. He's a golfer. Like, I mean, he's not like a high level golfer, but at least he knows golf. Um, The player, right? The other guy, the other guy's not a golfer, but yeah, I think, I'm with you. Like my main concern is, is it going to be authentic? I mean, you know, and also one plus is the PJ tour has actually, thank God stepped away and said, they didn't, they, yeah. they don't have editorial control. Yeah. Cause you know, if they had editorial control, it would turn into some fluff piece. It would be about how, how great all these guys are. And it would be like boring, but, um, but um, they try to pretend like everybody's like golden boy. And it's kind of annoying. Like what's wrong with a villain. But anyway, um, so I, you know, I think it's, do you guys, have you guys watched that? I'm, now I'm intrigued to watch the formula one. No, I've so always good. heard good uh, things. It's yeah. so good. I, well, now I want to, now I want to watch it because I, like, I want to see uh, the style to know kind of what we can expect for the it's golf like, version. Yeah, that's actually it's really like good. It's a lot like, it's not a lot. Cause it's like real. Like, but, but they're, it's, they're it's a little bit like, yeah. And and like for for everybody listening, I just want to run through some names of people that have already committed to be doing doing this. Abraham Answer, Berger, Champ, Cameron Champ, uh, Joel Damon, who's hilarious, uh, Finau, Fitzpatrick, Fleetwood, Fowler, Garcia, Higgs, Hovland, uh, Dustin Johnson, Kepka, Morikawa, Na, Mito Pereira, who is actually a very entertaining human being, uh, Poulter, Shoffley, Spieth, uh, Thomas, and Watson. The one name that I think that a lot of people think that should be on that list that's not is Bryson DeChambeau. And Bryson came out with a quote and said, I don't want to take away from my gym the time. view of what they're trying to do. And I think, and this is, this is just fuel to my fire of being a non DeChambeau guy. I just, I just can't stand that guy. Hey, still- we're on the same page for a while. Yay, there we go. But, uh, but honestly, with that list of names, I don't think they can go wrong. I yeah, mean, gonna they, they, they're going to have full reign at Augusta national, the PGA championship, the USGA or the U S open and the British open and the players. I mean, I don't, foresee that being bad and the one thing that i would love to see especially with the number ranked amateur in the world is that if we could get a peek into the crow's nest at augusta i'd be super pumped because i've always wondered what that looked like it'd be really cool the fact that augusta signed off on this is like that was like whoa this is for real can't believe that they actually signed off on i mean like i really can't believe that i mean i'm sure in their eyes it's just another group of media that's coming in. and then for that week they have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of those people there yeah yeah but this is more behind the scenes they, they like to control but, well, maybe not and we won't we might not be able to see anything other than just what happens well between the rows so the quote from from netflix is the series will capture the intensely the the no sorry the intensity of training travel victory and defeat through the lens of a diverse golf group of golfers and their support teams yeah. So what I think is going to happen is going to be like they pick three players a week and they just follow yeah. them in their teams. I mean, I wouldn't hate that. What I hope is we, if let's say we're with Brooks Kepka, uh, the episode begins in his garage in Jupiter working out and then have him go hit balls at Floridian. And then we have him, you know, this is on a Monday. Then we have him hop on his jet, go to the tournament. And then now we're in his hotel. I hope it's like really like a, a true actual documentary i think it will be i think it will be versus having him like you know shots of him hitting balls in the rain like oh he's warming up like i, I think I'm, it's gonna I'm be it's gonna be pretty in-depth i think it's gonna be better than you think I hope like, so. I hope i'm, I'm wrong. super excited i don't know if it's it. gonna be any good 
I'm super excited. We'll That's fair, Trey. I, I, I mean, I'm a little skeptical, but I'm more because I think my the thing I'm most excited about is that the PGA tour gave up editorial control. Yes. That's, that's they are so lame about like trying to create this cookie cutter image for everyone. And the fact that we're going to get to see Brooks unfiltered JT unfiltered, you know, guys like Mino Pereira and, and Harry Higgs and guys, we don't, you know, that most people don't know very well. We're going to get to see them unfiltered is, is the most exciting part unfiltered is key. I hope they are. All yeah. I can't wait to see. I cannot wait to see Harry Higgs, just a handle of Tito's and just, <laughs> and, just and just see what happens. And I don't you know. know. He, he, he lost a lot of weight recently and I mean, good for him, but also I'm, I'm kind of bummed. Like I liked, I liked Chubby I like Harry. Harry Higgs for sure. For sure. Yeah. Chubby Higgs is the best. The, the, my favorite Harry Higgs quote of all time was he's like, yeah, every night Tito's water, ice, bed <laughs> it's like that is the way to live your life agreed That's and just, then also birdies and then birdies just make a bajillion birdies and have the one of the best short games and one of the best putting strokes probably on the pga tour yeah. which would be lovely he's, uh you know in a world of golden boys and cookie cutter athletes it, he's a breath of fresh air he, uh, he's he just is, a, he's just a birds he's fan from he's just, a dude, he's just a dude playing golf for a living that's yeah. really really good at it Right, well, well, the last point that I wanted to bring up before we get done is I is, is I wanted to ask you guys what your thoughts on like this whole Netflix thing is like in comparison to like this PIP program. Like, do you think that this PIP with this $40 million bonus at the end of the year that ended up going to Phil, which I don't I don't think it wrongly went to Phil. I think he had, you know, every right to win it. But do you think that the reason that those guys have you know, said they're going to do this has a reason. It was because of the PIP. No mm. question. No question. I mean, I I think that that's got to be a big I mean, if factor. you're me to appear, you're not, you're not hoping to win any of that money. There's what, 10 spots they pay out? I mean, yeah, unless he like you know, like wins it's, it's, five times and then just goes and But he still might not win it if his social media doesn't pop. Eh, well, we see. You know what I mean? I don't know. I, I just think that's got to have at least a little bit of a persuasion on the guys to be there. Yeah. No but. doubt. It's, I mean, it's forty million dollars. And by the way, bef- just I'm going to go on a little rant. The PIP was run terribly. Nobody, right. knew, nobody knew like why anyone won. There were no, there were no, st- or there were no parameters to where like, yeah, this is what points are worth. No, it was just the PGA Tour decided like, hey, look, we have forty million dollars. We're not going to tell anybody why the person won or what they did to win. We're just going to hand them the check in like a couple months, and y'all will just see that. It was weird. It feels prearranged in a way. It feels like manufactured. Also, you know, you guys were talking a little more positively about the increased social media interaction than like my personal feelings. My feelings are it kind of created like this unauthentic, like, like JT would be a perfect example. I feel like he was just posting stuff just to post stuff and it was kind of corny and cheesy. And I feel like he wasn't really being himself. And I felt like he was kind of doing it for the pit money. I mean, I don't know. I just feel like, you know, the beauty of someone becoming internet famous, like a Max Homa who, you know, before last year was like a regular hundredth ranked player in the world. I mean, now he's getting into that top tier, but you know, he was a Twitter star. And it wasn't because he was a famous PJ Tour player. It was because he was great on Twitter. And now we've kind of created this environment where guys are thirsty for that attention and and kind of posting just to post. Um, you can always tell when it's like an agency run. Like I'm sure JT is not. Well, I don't. Know, he might be, but he might just be. Uh, JT probably got his own shit. Twitter, he seems pretty authentic. Yeah, but like you can always yeah. tell when it's like the maximum. Probably a little both firing off yeah. stuff versus like you know a social media company who's you know. Just I mean, I honestly, place. when when the PIP came out and like when the announcement was made, there was going to be this, you know, $40 million bonus. So I literally in my brain was like, oh, so Max Helma just got $40 million because he's the most active PG. Should have. Yeah, it's, 100%. It's, not about how many, it's how many total, I feel like it's how many total eyeballs go at your stuff. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not just social media. It's. We yeah. weren't told that. Yeah, of course. Like, yeah. We weren't told that. Where there, where there were no parameters that came out about this money. It was just, hi, there's $40 million. We're going to give it to the most impactful person on the PGA Tour. Okay. Well, that can be very up for debate. I mean, I know it's that like, Phil did a ton of stuff, but I mean, it's, if you're looking it's at- also like Google searches, and that's why like Tiger oh, and Phil are so up there. I mean, Tiger posts, I mean, yes, when he does post a golf swing, it gets like a billion likes, but yeah, yeah. It's uh, I. That's why I thought it was always kind of a 
he's up there. Like, I always thought it was weird because it just kind of felt to me like a a way, you know, that algorithm, they could have basically pre-planted so that Phil and Tiger and all these guys would get this massive check. You know, Max Homo is like an internet star, but he didn't see a dime of it, right? So. And I'll, I'll give you one spin that you'll probably, well, you might agree with, but I bet you that if Tiger Woods won the PIP after all the shit that happened this year, not one person on the PGA Tour would have complained because not one of them would be making near as much money sure. as if if Tiger didn't play golf. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and honestly, I would have felt better if it went to Tiger. I, I had a conversation with somebody. I was to like, be honest, all, all Tiger had to do was, was keep his pulse and he was in the VIP. But I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> if he did die in that car crash, he would have won it. No question. Wow. That's a no hot, question. No that's question. A hot, morbid a, take. Very morbid take. But I, it, but I, I just said it kind of in, in one sense. I was like, all that Tiger has to do is stay alive. I was like, he nearly died actually this year. And if he had his, his engagement would have gone. It's like, it's easy. all right. Everybody loves a tiger take. Will tiger woods ever win a PJ tour event again? No, hundred percent. I'll take the negative. I'll take it. We, 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 Tom and I also, <laughs> for, for the record, for the actual record, we have a bet. I think Sung JM will win a major before Ricky, Ricky Fowler. Fowler. And I'm, we have a straight bet on. Yeah. We have a straight. What? Oh home. yeah. He's uh, way better. Although is isn't Sung Jay going to have to do military service? No, no, he, no, is he? no, no, that's um, what I hope not. He is he, you know, he's Korean. Yeah. No, no, he's good. He's already done it. No, no, no I no. don't think he's so. Years old. No, 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 no. It's not Sung J M. Who who did it though? Sung Moon Bay. Sung Moon Bay already and Sung Young No did it. Both. Wait, so he has to do it still? Maybe. Get fucked. I'm so gonna win that. I don't. Let's go. I like Ricky to never win a major. So. I'm I'm good. Yeah, Ricky's Ricky's. Does, does Tiger Woods ever win a PGA Tour event again? Is yes. that what your question is? Yes. No. Yes. Yeah. I'm gonna say no. But I'm, I'm going with I'm I'm going with no. But I have a I do have a a pro Tiger prediction, which is I think we will see him in contention, serious contention at a British Open at some point. God, reason I, I reason being, that, you know, those courses are flat and they take a lot of experience and a lot of shot making and look no further than Tom Watson at 59 years old, you know, one shot or, you know, playoff loss away um, from winning at age 59. And I think Tiger will have a shot at the British for an extended period of time because it's really more about experience than any, than anything else and compared to PJ tour events where it's more about pure talent ball striking so anyway I, I i think we'll see him make a run at a, at a british open that's my prediction i don't know that he'll win one but oh um, you said if you said major probably not but he'll win a random tour event i think he's got decade. a better chance of winning a major he does in regular tournament possibly he's gonna play less yeah cool well yeah he's probably only he's probably gonna play like four majors and maybe only four six other ones all year so yeah, like I said, I I like the I like I could see him contending in a British. That's just my take because it's a lot about knowing the golf courses and the experience and hitting the iron shots and and putting and I don't know. I think also he's he didn't lose like any distance with his, which is shocking. I mean, did you see him outdrive JT a couple times at the PNC? Yeah. Like what the hell? The crash was a bit yeah, I think his. I think I think he may have been like overselling the fact that he wasn't hitting it as far as he used to. Yeah. I think he was overselling that. Okay, looks but fine. To me. I think he looks fine. I, I think yeah. that he's good. My prediction: if it, is if he gets close, we'll get close to Augusta again. That's what I think. Just because he knows that place so well, but that's. I mean, that's my. Only, I, I don't think yeah. it's another one, but I think if he gets close, it'll probably be Augusta. But we'll British see. Opens are kind of wacky. And we've seen Augusta be friendly to, you know, guys well into their 50s as well. You know, Jack Nicholas, everyone thinks about Freddie and how great he's been into his 50s at Augusta. But um, I think Nicholas at age 58 was like T6 one year. Um, so guys, guys into their 50s can um, can can still play Augusta for sure. So, yeah. percent. All right, well, man, well, that was, uh, this has been our first roundtable podcast. And Tom's out of whiskey, so that means I'm, our... I'm out of whiskey. Bang, we yeah. got empty glasses. That's when you know the show is over. <laughs> the show is over. <laughs> well, I thank everybody that listened, and thank you, John, for joining the Sticks group. And Thanks for having uh, me. Being a part we'll of the podcast, soon. and we'll see you soon.
Sounds great. See you guys. Bye.